The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, once again, I want to welcome you to Temple Bible Church. So glad you're with us either in person or online. And um, just one thing to think about and pray about this week. Um, in about a week, I guess a week from right now, we'll be heading to Rwanda. That chime just won't stop. It's like, wow, okay, sorry, I'm ADD. Uh, it just keeps going. Um, anyway, so about a week from now, we're gonna be going to Rwanda, a group of uh, seven of us, uh, including the guy that was singing right here, Scott and his son, and a few others, and we are going to be able to share the gospel through sports, specifically through basketball. And so we've got uh, clinics set up, camps set up. We're gonna have over 100 different pastors uh, coming to this small village in Rwanda to hear about how maybe they can develop some tips and ideas to develop their own sports outreach uh, in and throughout Rwanda. So if you could be in prayer uh, for us as we go, it's gonna be an amazing time, and it's always a blessing to get to go over there and be with our friends uh, in Rwanda. So we're continuing in this series uh, in the disciplines, and uh, uh, Chase did an amazing job last week to kind of set it up, introduce us uh, concerning what we're gonna be covering over this time. And today, we're gonna be uh, covering reading, studying, and memorizing the Word of God. Each one of those words could be a separate week or month or even year, but I got it all in one today. And so we are gonna be all over scripture, okay? So just get ready. Uh, it's gonna be on the screen because you'd be flipping all over and scrolling everywhere. So it's gonna be on the screen for you because we are gonna be going all back and forth, the Old Testament, New Testament, because it's good to understand that we have the entire word and that Jesus is found in every single book of the Bible. And so we see him everywhere and we see what he's doing and what he wants to do in our lives throughout the word. So as we consider this, just kind of uh, be ready because we're going to cover a lot of different scripture, which is obviously very fitting since we're covering that topic, right? So as a uh, local outreach pastor, uh, I've had a lot of opportunity to be in the community, doing different things, being part of organizations, being part of different ministries uh, locally. And one of the ones that I get to be a part of is FCA, specifically being a chaplain uh, for a couple local football teams over my time here. I started out at Belton High School and I did that for about six or seven years. And then my daughters uh, started at Lake Belton when they opened that new school. So I went over there and I've been doing that since that school opened. And so uh, when I go, I get to pray at practice and I get to go in and do devotionals with the team. It's kind of unheard of in public schools, but I get to do that. I have that opportunity. And so as a result, I get to speak to these young men who are, are all in all levels of faith. And what I do is I put my number in a, in a, on a whiteboard in the uh, meeting room and uh, they can do what they want with it, text me spam or you know, prank call me, whatever they want to do. Uh, but I always tell them, just hit me up if you have any questions or you want to get together, hang out. And it never fails. Every single year, there's always a few students who do that, a few players who do that. It actually surprises me because I'm pretty much a stranger to them, but uh, they reach out. And it, it's no different this year. There were two uh, individuals, uh, separate occasions recently that reached out. And they reached out really just to understand what it looks like to grow in their faith. 
And I responded, just asking him questions about, you know, do you know Jesus? Have you trusted Jesus? And it's just to a point where they have, but what's next for them? And so they're reaching out as high school kids to an adult. And so what that told me uh, as I kind of thought about it the last few weeks leading into this time today is if we're believers, we have a longing, almost like a magnet, drawing us to the word. There's something in us that, not something, but the Holy Spirit in us that pulls us. And these two guys are no different. There is something that is pulling them and helping them see that there's more to what they're doing. There's more to their faith. There's opportunity to grow. And as I considered this topic over the past few weeks, I I was tempted to spend a good amount of time at the beginning trying to help you understand how Okay, I, okay, maybe I should rephrase this because it's about to be really mean. All right, how um, poorly maybe myself and you are doing in this area of reading, studying, and memorizing God's Word, right? I could spend a lot of time doing that because I was convicted myself, and so I'm beating myself up about it. I could definitely transfer that onto you, and, you know, like we do with criticism, let's deflect it onto someone else that's not doing it either, Right? But I think that would be a waste of time because I think if we're believers in this room today, we can all just sit here and say, yeah, I could definitely do more. Yeah, I don't really read the word like I should. I I don't study it and most likely I'm, I'm not memorizing it consistently. So why don't, instead of spending 10 minutes on that, let's just take like 10 seconds to all just sit there in our conviction, okay? Breathe it in. Okay. Can we all be convicted right now? So we have that situation going on where we have this magnet pulling us. We have a somewhat of a desire to know God, but oftentimes we feel paralyzed where we're at. Like, what do I do? How do I do this more consistently? And so for us, I think we can look at four questions for these three specific topics to help us understand that first, is there a command given? Second, what's the value? Third, what does it produce? And then fourth, how can we accomplish this? Kind of like a coach, maybe uh, a football coach in college yesterday, high school Friday night, that takes an L, you know, and they're like, what do I do to avoid this loss next week, right? that coach is trying to figure it out. And in a lot of ways for us and our reading, our studying, and definitely memorizing scripture, we're taking L's left and right. And so for us, what can we do? What is some things that, what are some things that we can learn? And maybe some things we can just assess just up front or some issues we have in preventing us would be maybe we don't understand the word. Maybe it's just intimidating to us. So to open it up, it's like, I just read this. I have no clue and nobody to tell me what it means. Maybe we're just too busy, preoccupied. Maybe just like other habits, you've tried and failed. Maybe an exercise program or eating better. And you fail. So it's just one more thing that I'm just going to fail at. Maybe existing sin in your life that presents you, pre- prevents you from being in the Word. Maybe you've allowed podcasts And authors, although those can be very helpful, maybe you've allowed them to replace time in the Word. 
maybe just simply distracted by social media. I know none of you are, but sometimes I can be, just the endless scrolling or swiping. So we have this spiritual discipline of reading God's word, and you might initially ask yourself, well, what's the difference between reading and studying? What's the difference between that? Because we're covering them both distinctly. It's important for us to see. Reading the Bible gives us a chance to intimately connect with God and take in his glory and goodness. So this is a time for us to be intimate with God one-on-one, be able to be in the word, reading it, and really see how great he is and how good he is, and we're reminded of that when we read the word. Well, studying is our chance to dig deeper. We experience that goodness, right, on the surface when we read, but then in studying we get to go deeper and be a witness of the greatness of God in all the different stories that are there and learning how they connect to each other and how Jesus can be seen through all of scripture. As we study it, we see just how great God is because he has woven all of history together into his word. And so there is a difference, but as we read, We can see that there are plenty of commands about reading. When Jesus encountered Satan in the wilderness, it was important for him as he faced temptation. He he quotes scripture. He says, Matthew 4, 4, he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here it is right here. You battle temptation. You're able to fight the enemy. There's a command given that we should be about every word that comes from God's mouth, and that is scripture. What's the value in it? Well, the value in it is that you're not just reading a book about the word, but reading the word itself. Many of us get caught up in it, and and trust me, I'm all over like these, some of these authors that I love that really speak to my heart and, and teach me constantly. So I have to check myself because sometimes I let those books replace the actual word of God. So it's important for us to see that. And so the value comes in that it's profitable. Paul, in his instructions to Timothy, as a mentor to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. It is profitable to get into God's word, to read his word. We have the very breath of God in this word. And it's a blessing to hold it in our hands. It's also not only profitable, it's eternal. In his message uh, that God gave him to a war-torn people of Israel, Isaiah says in verse 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. It's an eternal word. All the words written by mere humans that are not inspired by the Spirit come and go. They can be inspiring and be challenging, but only God's word lasts forever. You and I will come and go, but only God's word stands forever. It's also the value is that it brings blessing. There's a woman that yelled out to Jesus as he's walking in the road and she yells out to him, blessed is the, the, the womb that bore you. You know, it's, it's basically calling out a blessing to Mary. And, re, and Jesus even redirects her in Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. He said, uh, but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. How are you gonna hear the word of God unless you're reading it? And so it's important for us to see that it has great value. Also, what does it produce? 
It has great value, but there's things that it produces in us, and I'm, there's tons of them, but here are a few. Number one, it gives us guidance. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I love the picture of a lamp like a lantern. I don't know if you ever held a lantern, not like an old school one, not a new one that is really bright, but an old school one. And what does it light? How far ahead does it light? Most likely if it's just a handheld one, you got about 10 feet maybe in front of you, but that's about it as you're walking down a path. And so for us, we can understand that he says it's a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. He didn't say it's the sun to our feet and the sun to our path and the fact that he's telling us a few steps ahead is what I'm showing you. And that's how I'm gonna guide you. You know why? Because first of all, if I show you too much, you might just have a heart attack and die. But also, if I show you too much, you might get overconfident. And I'm going to keep you here trusting in me the light, trusting in me looking to my very words to see what steps are next because the idea is I want you coming back day by day. I want you relying on me. And so he gives us this lamp to our feet. And so also it not only gives us guidance, but it also brings success. Now, we're not talking about health and wealth. We're not talking about success in the world's eyes, although that may come as you follow Jesus. We're talking about uh, success in God's eyes. I've been reading through this reading plan uh, and go, uh, just recently went through First and Second Chronicles into Ezra. And there's a lot of stuff in there. You're just kind of reading and you're like, okay, lots of names that I can't pronounce. But then there's other things in there that when you look at each chapter, it highlights a king. And in those chapters, it highlights a king and what that king was about. It tells his age when he came to, came, came to rule, but it also says, and that person so-and-so either did what was right in God's eyes or followed their father in idol worship, right? And so they were acknowledged as people who, who either did one of two things. And the people that were highlighted and are highlighted in those books as successful are ones that were described this way. They read the scriptures and they sought God's guidance. There's your kings. The successful kings are the ones that read the scriptures, the ones they had available to them. And then they sought God's guidance. And so that's in the same way we can find success in reading the scripture. So how do we accomplish this? How do we read the scripture and really develop a heart for knowing God through the scriptures? Uh, Chase shared an article with me this past week from Crossway. It's a simple article. Just the title alone is super convicting. It says, you have more time for Bible reading than you think. There's your title. I didn't even need to read the article. I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, you're right. But I did read the article. And the article was uh, basically over 11,000 Christians that were polled in this article. I mean, they nerded out on it really well. They got graphs and all kind of stuff going on. And it basically says, hey, you got more time than you think, and it doesn't take as much time as you think as well. And so I think we even have a graph up there that kind of illustrates that a little bit. Uh, if you go online, you can get sermon notes and the, the article is linked to the digital notes. I didn't want you scanning it and then reading it and not listening. So uh, you can look at it later. Uh, so there is a quote in there that's interesting. He says, in just 12 minutes per day, you could read the whole Bible in a year. Does that still feel a bit ambitious? 
In just six minutes per day, you could read the entire New Testament over the course of six months. Whatever your pace, the point is to make daily Bible reading a habit. You'll be surprised how much you can read over the course of a relatively short period of time. What a horrible uh, temptation that Satan throws at us that we just don't have time. Like, really? Again, I wasn't going to get into the guilt trip, so I'm not going to. But we do have time, people. We do. Even if you're a slow reader, just double the minutes. You have time. Six minutes a day to read the entire New Testament in six months. Now, we can accomplish this also, not just by getting into it and realizing we have the time, but also through accountability. Each one of these takes accountability, and I can't do what I know I should do without it. I can't do it without other people pushing me along. And I've never used this illustration in a talk from this stage because I knew I'd probably uh, at least uh, get reprimanded, maybe fired because of this, but now that I'm not the junior high pastor, I can share it with you um, because I've moved on, and maybe I'll be okay. So when I first got here, Uh, to TBC 17 years ago. I had some interns that I inherited and these dudes were big guys. UMHP football players like 6'5", 285, 6'4", 2 whatever, way more than me. And so we were trying to grow spiritually. These guys expressed it just the same way, that magnet. They know they need to grow. They know they need to grow. How are we going to grow? Well, we're going to get together and have tacos because if you want a college boy, young man, to hang out with you, uh, you probably want to do something with food, right? And girl, probably too, because I know my daughter can eat too. Uh, But the reality is this. When I get them together, we had to talk about accountability, What is this going to look like to be in the Word, and what is it going to look like to be about it each day? And I came up with this idea back in college that worked, and I thought I'd do it here, and it was just a dumb idea. I'm full of dumb ideas, but this one was really dumb. So I said to them, all right, this is what we're going to do. It worked in college, and it'll probably work on you guys. It was fine for them, horrible for me, because what I said was, for each goal you have for the week and each time you want to do this thing, when you fail, we're going to get together next week and we're going to go out after our tacos outside and for every time, it's one punch in the arm for each day you failed from each of you and there was three of them that were (laughs) college football players. Can you see me up here? It's like, these dudes have like four times, like I barely have a bicep, and these guys are like huge. So after the first week, I failed a couple times, like maybe two or three, and uh, guess what? I got punched. <laughs> and I had a bruise for a long time, and so I, had, I saw the light and discovered this is, isn't the best idea, guys. Maybe we'll change our accountability process, right? But you know what? It kept me accountable. I don't, I'm not standing up here condoning violence, but I am, I am, I am condoning accountability to get those people in your life to push you, to slap you around a little bit figuratively, right? To get in your business and to kind of push you and grow. And, 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 and for some of us, we're just not those people, right? We're kind of individualistic. We, we don't really like big groups. We don't want to reach out. We don't show our need much because that'll make us look weak. Well, guess what? We're all weak. The Bible says when we're weak, guess what? We're strong. 
And so for all of us, we need others. We need accountability in reading God's word. And then the spiritual discipline of studying God's word. There's a command given. There's tons of commands given about studying as well. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. It's an interesting phrase there, rightly handling the word of the truth, because the next verse goes on to say, talk about irreverent talk and irreverent ways to handle God's word. So there's an important focus there on handling it rightly, being able to uh, not just read it and be done, close the Bible, check it off on the Bible app, you know, I'm good to go. But studying is rightly handling it, meaning uh, maybe busting open some commentaries, which you can find all over. Make sure you get some right ones. You can ask us about some good ones to get into, but there's some good ones out there and you can get into that and rightly handle it so you can see the context. You can see what was happening before, what was happening after, the connection to the whole of Scripture, and we can come at God's Word in reverence, rightly handling it. Joshua 1.8, there's great encouragement for courage. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. So here it is, meditating on it day and night. How do we do that? We study it, we listen to it, we engross ourselves in it. We're all about accountability. You think about it this way. There's lots of analogies you can use here, but one in particular would be uh, a, a baby bird. So you got these baby birds, right? And these baby birds got their beaks wide open as far wide as they can get them, right? This kind of just looks so ugly, but I'm sorry. But uh, they're just stretched out, right? You're like, feed me, feed me. And the mama, you know, comes back and you know, they're just waiting, squawking, you know, just like crazy. And all of a sudden, the mom, mama bird comes back with dinner. And unfortunately for us, this is an unfortunate picture of what we do as believers, Right? Feed me, feed me, someone come feed me. And whether it's your, your parents or whether it's a, a teacher and youth group or, or whether it's a pastor from the stage or whether it's a small group leader and it's just like feed me. And imagine like we're just feasting. Like today when we come on Sunday morning, this is a feast on God's word, right? You got all kind of scripture happening here. You're just eating it up and you can, it's like a buffet of God's word. But imagine you come and just pig out on God's word here and you're here listening and you're taking it all in, but then you're like, all right, see you next week for my next meal right how ridiculous does that sound and how weak would you be physically if this was the only day you ate but this is what we're called to do we're called to study to feast on the word of God so we're no longer children just drinking the milk of the word but we're actually in it we're studying it we're getting to see the goodness and the richness of God's word So we're called to feast on it. It's a command and the value. Man, there's so many you can cover. You think about falling in love, you know, and uh, like for Candace and I, when we met uh, up in Virginia and we get to know one another, a girl from Texas, a guy from Philadelphia, what a weird combination, right? And here it is, we're getting to know one another. We didn't just see each other on Friday night and that was it, although she was probably happy with that because I just talked too much. But we actually talked to each other. We even talked to each other on the phone because we didn't have cell phones because we're old, but I'm old, she's not, sorry, I didn't say she was old. Uh, So, 
We called each other. We wrote notes to each other. We saw each other in the hallway. We made sure we met up at different times because it was all about us progressing in our relationship. In the same way and even on a deeper level, that's how we get to know God. We spend time with him. We read, we write notes, we journal all these things in the study of God's word. It's great value. It affects our thoughts and intentions throughout the day. One thing that made me think of this was uh, my son Owen, my youngest son. And he has autism, so he, um, in his autism, it, it really is in some ways funny, in some ways really makes you feel guilty because he will speak truth whether you like it or not. There is no filter. If you ask him a question, you see him in the hall and ask, oh, and whatever, how do I look? And don't do that uh, <laughs> if you're insecure about yourself. Um, but it's very valuable because he'll tell you the truth about whatever he's thinking. And when we would spend time in God's word in his room, we'd read a little bit and he'd go, you know, I don't know if I'm a God guy. I, don't, I just don't know if I believe in God is basically what he was saying. I'm just like, well, first of all, I'm a pastor. You have to believe in God, right? Uh, but no, I was just like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. And over time, uh, you know, he's heard God's word. And lately, uh, we've done something that we never in our wildest dreams thought we would do. We realized God was leading us to homeschool Owen. And we're in this homeschool program, it's online, it's a Christian program, and uh, so he's got scripture memory. And he's got other things going on where there's Bible lessons. And guess who gets to be the Bible teacher? <laughs> it's me. But also I'm the, the PE teacher as well, so we're kayaking the other day on what's left of Lake Belton. And uh, we're out there kayaking, and we're going, and he just says to me out of nowhere, he's like, he's just talking about, uh, just starts talking to God. He doesn't even talk to me. He's talking to God. We're out on the lake. And we're, we're all by ourselves. And he just starts speaking about God and about Jesus. And it's nothing that I pushed him to say. I didn't even bring anything up. We're just in creation. And you know what happens? We're in creation. He's in God's word and he's immersed in it and it just starts happening. There's nothing else you can study that does that. You can study other books and other topics and they can affect you, but none like this that speak to your soul. And we haven't really gotten to the point that if he's a God guy yet, I think he kind of is starting that direction. But it's so fascinating to sit and watch a transformation because you're immersed in the word. And it can happen for you. And it can happen for your kids because you study. Ezra 7, 9 is an interesting observation. It says the good hand of God was on Ezra. And here's why. Look at verse, listen to verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. The good hand of God was on him. Because why? He set his heart to study the word. David in Psalm 1-3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. He yields its fruit in his season. Its leaf doesn't wither and all he does he prospers because he's set on the foundation, the word of God. 
You see, we often make decisions in our lives. We, we don't have many guarantees in life, right? And we just make decisions. We say, I hope it works. College students, you know, you pick a major. You know, you're hopeful that it'll be something that works out. Starting a business, whatever it is. I hope this works. I hope this diet works, whatever it is. And so we all come to that and we don't have guarantees. But in Isaiah, God gives a guarantee. Listen to his guarantee in Isaiah 55. Verse 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. There's your guarantee in life. God's word is true and God's word will always accomplish what it sets out to accomplish. And as we study it, we get to align ourselves with that purpose and with that plan and see God's will accomplished in our lives. So what does it produce? A study of God's word? There's so many specifics, but here's one, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. As you read and then move further, digging deep into studying, it pierces your soul. It convicts of sin. It helps us see ourselves for who we really are. Our minds are redirected when we are in God's word regularly. We bring our issues to God more easily God settles our heart even in the middle of pain because we know life brings struggle and pain. But even in that, as we're on the foundation of the word, we can find encouragement to face the day. So how do we accomplish this, this study of God's word? I don't know about you. Some of you might be uh, like others in this room where it's like you feel something that you need to do or you want to do and you go for it, right? And you actually get crazy about it. Like some of you may be like, I'm gonna go camping. Well, it's not like you don't just grab a borrow a tent from somebody. You get a whole list and buy all that junk, right? And you're all packed up, ready to go. Your car's full, you have way too much stuff. I did that with an RV a few years ago and that RV was so packed up, we didn't use half the stuff we even left early. Anyway, different story. But we just went nuts with it. And some of you, like, you feel this pull, and you're like, all right, I just get, I get after it. I got to do this. I got to set this up. I got to do this. And this is like a long list. And then what do you do? You get frustrated and quit and sell the stuff in a yard sale. Well, that's not what we desire as leaders of TBC in these moments of disciplines. We want you to maybe just start slow. Start somewhere that's attainable. Just five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Reach out to one friend and say, hey, will you read with me? Hey, will you study this with me? And I bet you they'd be glad to do it. Some of my best times studying the word has been in community. Our small group, we're getting after this study tonight. And they can tell me all the things I said wrong. But I get into it because I know the study of the word, it can be individual, but can also be beneficial to do together. Howard Hendricks uh, has a quote that one of our pastors shared with me that hit me between the eyes, might hit you as well. If you are no more knowledgeable about your job than you are about your faith, after the same number of years, what would your boss do to you? 
If you came at your job the same level and intensity you take reading the word and studying the word, would you still have a job? Or maybe schoolwork? Would you still be in school or would you flunk out? What a convicting statement about being in the word. I thought I said I wasn't going to guilt trip anybody. Sorry. It's just facts. It hurts me too. Number three, the spiritual discipline of memorizing God's word. So the question, is there a command to memorize scripture? If you look at Deuteronomy in the Shema, it's this iconic set of verses that talk to Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then it goes on in verse six to say, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign in your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And if you go to Israel, on most doorposts, posts, you'll see this scripture embedded in, literally into the doorposts. So for us, can we take some of this literally (laughs) to say we really need to have God's word in our minds, on our hearts, and to really commit to memorizing what's the value? Man, so many times, you know, I grew up in a home with believers. My dad's a pastor, so I was all all about scripture memory, you know, get the gold star, eventually get enough gold stars, you get a prize you know, whatever it is when you go to church or at school, uh, if you fail on tests, you know, you're failing Bible class, that's not good as a pastor's kid, right? And so all this motivation to memorize scripture. A lot of times for me, it was the wrong motivation, but guess what? I'm okay with it, because you know why? Today, if I'm talking to somebody and they're sharing with me their struggles, guess what pops in my head? The scriptures I learned when I was five. They're powerful. You may not remember the reference like me, but you know those scriptures. It is powerful. There is power in memorizing scripture. Psalm 119, 11, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It allows us to see our sin for what it is and combat sin in our lives. What does it produce? There's a number of things it produces, but here's two. It produces a desire for community. As we memorize God's word, We're drawn together. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so it dwells in you as you memorize it, as you study it. Then in teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It also renews our mind, Romans 12.2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable and perfect. God's word has the ability to renew us, has the ability to wash our minds like a, like a washing machine to the brain and to change our hearts as we memorize the word. How can we accomplish this? Like I said, to be honest, you know, I, I memorized it early on, mostly because there was lots of incentives. But as I've grown as an adult, I haven't memorized like I should. I haven't memorized the word like I should on a consistent basis, but when I have, it's all been about accountability. I'm just not a person that will do that on my own. But if I have someone or people, multiple people, like some men that we've done last year, we're starting this year too, to do it together, 
then it happens more frequently. <clears throat> you think about it this way. We're talking about disciplines, right? Being disciplined. Maybe you've raised kids already. Maybe you're in the middle of raising kids. Maybe you're not quite there yet. But there's disciplines that we all kind of teach our kids or will teach them someday. And there are things that they like to get into. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's disciplines of just things at home, like cleaning up, whatever it is. Why is it that we can discipline our kids and really get them on track educationally? We can get them on track with their sports. We can tell them what hole to go through if they're a running back. We can tell them to keep their elbow in if they're shooting a jumper. We can give them all this kind of advice. But how how is it that we just fail so much miserably in the discipline of God's word? Why is it that I can so easily just tell my kids this and that about life and about this and that, but I, I, I can't show a model of what it looks like to be one who's disciplined in the very thing that's most important. And yet I just continue and I, I produce kids sometimes that are just looking at the world and just kind of just, oh, I'm successful. Well, are you? As I was thinking through this, I always bounce things off Candace because she helps me see things clearly. And one statement she made from an author and a writer is in this moment where it comes to reading, studying, memorizing word is name the thing that matters most. Name it. If you're a believer, the thing that matters most should be Reading, studying, and memorizing the word of God. And when you name that thing, everything else you get to say no to if you need to. Doesn't mean you don't play sports ever again or pick up an instrument, but it means you have priorities. It means the thing that matters most takes ultimate priority. I believe this author and speaker might have gotten this from the German poet, I'll butcher his name, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, maybe? And here's a statement. Things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. So if we're believers in this room, can we just agree that this is the thing that matters most? Reading, studying, memorizing the word. So some practical things before we pray. Practical things. If you look on the screen, there's some icons of just some helpful things along the way that I've found in reading the Word. Uh, to me, there's nothing better than the YouVersion app. You can get on reading plans together. You can show how far you're behind or ahead for your overachievers. Uh, you can comment to each other and send messages within the app back and forth just to read. Studying the scriptures, if you have young kids, Bible Project, you go to YouTube and get on Bible Project, words that are just immersed in scripture telling us all about who God is. The Right Now Media, we have unlimited access. Talk to your small group leaders about that. Memorizing scripture, there's a Bible memory app and the Bible memory project. Singing, there's so much scripture to song to really engross yourself in the word of God just through song itself. So we began our time today by sitting in the conviction of the fact that we know deep down we don't read, study, and memorize like we should. I think we can all see that. Maybe one or two of you are, have it all under control and the rest of us can learn from you, but most of us, it's tough. 
So I'd like us to finish our time, instead of meditating on all that we're doing wrong, instead say, take some time right now to imagine what it could be. And whatever you're doing right now, what I'd ask you to do is just bow your head and close your eyes so you're not distracted. Just close your eyes. There's nothing magical about it, but it helps you not be distracted. And just talk to God and say, God, what could it look like in my life if I named this the most important thing? If I named this the thing that matters most? Reading studying and memorizing the word. Imagine this chain reaction, how it would affect you personally, how it would affect your family, maybe your marriage, if you're married, your kids, your workplace environment, your community, and in the body of Christ and your small group. Imagine if this group of people embraced this challenge to be all about reading, studying, and memorizing the word, there will be a revival like none has ever been seen before in our community and in our lives. So my challenge for you is don't delay. Even sometime today, make a plan. God, we pray that we will take seriously this challenge to be in your word. We've heard messages like this before, God, and Maybe we've been successful or maybe we failed, but God, we come before you humble, convicted of our need to know you more. Bless us as we go throughout this time to make a plan, a practical, concrete plan to really get into your word. And I pray that in the weeks to come, we will see our lives changed. For those that don't know you, God, I pray that if they don't know you as their Savior and they really haven't even been able to start this journey, I pray that today they will know that they can trust you. They can confess their sin to you and rely wholly on you as their Savior. Bless us as we finish this time in worship. In your name we pray. Amen.